Hello, world, and welcome back to another episode of the Let's Talk Audio Podcast. Woohoo! So, on this episode, we are doing a part two of Miss Danny Parks. So, for those of y'all who listened to the first one, awesome, thank you. Um, for those of y'all who didn't know, there is a part one. This is part two. Uh, so, to reintroduce Miss Danny, she is a live sound engineer here in Austin. She is a producer. Um, she made my super awesome intro music. And lastly, she is also a jewelry maker, which is super cool. I hope that you guys like her. I hope that you enjoy part two. Too. And don't forget to like, subscribe, leave a review, share with your friends. You can find me on Instagram at Let's Talk Audio Podcast, or you can find me at my website, beatsinabottle.com. So without further ado, let's get right on into it with Miss Danny Fox. I was trying to find like a good way to segue that and then it just there was nothing I had nothing other than the fact that I just wanted to ask you so how have you been dealing with a lot of the social justice movements that's been going on like how have you been I don't know uh being an advocate for it? How do you feel about it? How, how do you just deal with it? I guess. And you can answer that however you want to. I don't know. That's not really like a formed thought. It just, you made me think of it. And I was like, I wonder. Um, I mean, it's obviously in all of our faces. Um, so I think that anybody that's ignoring it at this point is not, maybe doesn't have a cell phone. Or live near television, but it's impossible to not notice what's going on. Um, so it's been it's a lot to deal with. Um, it's a lot to think about on a regular basis. Um, but it's also something that, like, when you grow up, like in any environment, as like a person of color, um, and you live in spaces where or you even like participate in spaces that are predominantly white, like you're going to notice that things are different from our, our perspective, at least. Um, I think that it's just come to the point now where other people that are not of color are starting to notice that like, Oh, like shit's kind of bad. And we've kind of like let it slide for too long. Um, So that's like, there's, been good and bad things obviously like there's a lot there's a lot of violent shit that's going on that we're like being subject to see and i remember back in the day like when they didn't remember when they didn't show so much on television like when there was a lot of uh like reg- when oh, tv okay. is way more regulated like mm-hmm. as far as like language and like what we were actually allowed to see on television mm-hmm. now everything is like they even cuss on like major news networks and stuff now so it's they do so it's just gotten it's gotten to be a lot um but it's also something that i think that if you've ever grown up as like 
as any sort of minority in a situation that you kind of can see the parallels between what's happening now and how we've kind of always, all the experiences that we've always grown up with um, are just, are just now coming to light for people that have not had to live like that all, all the time. If that makes sense. Um, so like, you know, like being like the only girl or being like the only black person or like if you live like that all the time, like it's going to f- like you're going to grow up and for the most part, be kind of used to feeling that way. And and you've probably already learned to adapt to, you know, succeed feeling that way. Um, so I think it's just I think we're all. When something has, I think something that's affected all of us at the same time has made it a lot easier for everyone to figure out that, you know, that things for some of us have always been this way. And now that it's like this for all of us, like everyone's like, oh, things should be better. We should not allow things to be like this for even just a few people. It should be awesome for everyone. Speaking abstractly without getting too detailed and to yeah, get yeah. too woke on everybody. <laughs> First off, I don't know if being too woke exists um, in my world. Uh, I, I, I don't accept the concept of being too woke. I think that people should talk about these things with as much bluntness but still being tactful because we don't need to go out here being like, you know, crazy or anything, but there's, so there's definitely a a way to be blunt with, with tactfulness. But other than that, I'm like, man, speak it all. Like how you really feel. Cause I think that's how you can really work through a lot of these issues, you know, and, and really be able to get onto the same page with a lot of people um, and have people explain different perspectives right like so people who don't necessarily who haven't been uh privy to this before you know um and and they weren't aware of the situations of it all in their mind they have a a particular perspective and as somebody who's experienced these things all the time you have another perspective and it's the ability to talk about it and communicate is what's important um and to do that, I think you need to use honesty. And I think that using kid gloves isn't always the best. Oh yeah, for sure. Approach. Yeah, I think always. you can. I think everybody. I don't think we're at a point anymore in our society where people can like use kid gloves to to make like a point that will be taken. But also, at this point in time, when you have people that are just now being enlightened to what's going on you have to have a level of communication with them for them to be able to receive what you're trying to explain to them if you want them to grasp something you have to like speak to them the way that they will be able to take it because some people like can't some people shut down if you speak to them too brashly or if you speak to them too bluntly um it can come off as aggressive or too much or angry I'm just like, no, I'm just using emphasis on certain words to 
communicate with you exactly what it is, I, what I want you to understand. Um, so I think that it takes, it takes a level of level headedness to be able to communicate with some people that are, that just cannot see things. Mm -hmm. Um, but also for those, like some, like there's certain situations where you have to scream in their face and tell them they're a Nazi. Um, but uh, you know, we're, we live in a society now where people are, are picking sides, um, and where things are being perpetuated in the media for us to think that it's a pick a white or a black side, but it's actually just like a, you pick the good side or you pick the evil side. You want to be good. And we were, we can all live together and be in peace. Like we don't necessarily have to be homies, but we can all live next to each other and go about our business without hostility or violating each other. Um, but I think that that it has come to a point where you have to decide and you have to make a conscious decision um, and vocalize it. You can't just be, there's no time to be timid about that. Like that's the one thing in, in all of our lives that we need to, to express as loudly as possible. It's like you, you have to tell people that you're going to be, that you're going to be good, that we're all going to be good to each other. Or, and if you're not, then then let us know so that we can put you over there. Yeah. Um, I don't Yeah. It's just been, it's been a, it's been a crazy time. Um, seeing a bunch of the stuff that we were, that we've always sort of like discreetly experienced. Um, but now it's like in your face and like everyone's extra brave now. Um, so yeah, I think it's just, we're just at this point now where you, you can't be silent about people that you know, who make, who are making these like crazy accusations or threatening people or who are extremely violent towards only one certain group of people or who have crazy ideals that are not based on truth or fact like it's time to like tell people the truth and give people facts and try to try to get people that you can see that are willing to like grow up and like open their eyes a little bit but if they aren't then there's certain then there's just some people that won't be able to live within our society and be successful anymore because we can't continue to evolve anymore with, with that kind of, I don't even know how to describe that kind of behavior. Those kind of beliefs is just, it's, um, like caveman, like, like barbaric. And it's like, we're, you know, we're, we're evolutions past that already. We should be, we've already proved certain things. Like we should no longer be thinking this way. You should not, you should no longer be, be taught to think that way. So, yeah, I think we're just, we've just exposed a lot of nastiness and it's time to clean it up. Put some bleach on it. Put some bleach on it. Clean it up. <laughs> some of those cleaning cleaning it up. Yeah. Been, been hoarding in their houses. Yeah. <laughs> 
So do you feel like as a woman, a woman and a person of color and audio that you, that there's things to be called out in that as well in regards to some of the stuff that's been going on? Like, do you feel like you've ever had these moments where you're like, you're treating me a certain way because of these factors? I think that initially, in most circumstances, whenever I am, whenever I'm in contact with someone that I've never met before, whether it's a a band or or venue staff or wherever it is I'm working, if it's somewhere that I've never been before, um, I I already consciously know that there's a possibility that I'm going to experience something that's going to make me feel some kind of way or something that's going to give me the impression that they are not, uh, not very welcoming towards my kind. Um, so it's just, I mean, you just, like I said, when you, when you grow up in a situation where you're only in spaces with white guys, you're going to experience, you, you adapt that layer of protection already. Like you already know, like going into this, like I might have to say something or I might have to let them know what's up. Cause, um, cause we not, we not having it over here. Um, so you're yeah. You're so thug like. <laughs> you're like, let like, me tell you right I'm quick. Saying, and I'm like, all like, we can be professional and cordial, but don't, you gonna respect my gangster. I got a little bit of gangster still, <laughs> just so you know. Um, but yeah, that's just like, I, that's just how I was personally raised was like, I was raised by like a very tough lady. Who was like, don't be taking no shit from nobody. Um, so, yeah, it's just expected. And it's something that I've learned to deal with and adapt to. Um, and I'm just, I'm just, I'm not the type of person that's going to allow that kind of, that kind of like behavior, those actions or those like weird looks to me or them questioning my ability to to be able to fulfill the <clears throat> the requirements of my job. Like, I'm not going to let that get in the way of me doing my job. Like you, you have your own feelings towards me being around. That's fine. But when you come to my venue and you're on my stage, <laughs> you're going to do what I say. <laughs> That's just how it is. Like, I'm not going to be rude to you. Or I'm not going to disrespect you if you don't just blatantly disrespect me. But but that's just how it is. Like you have to be able to manage your space and protect your space. Um, and if that just requires you to like give them a little like notice, like, Hey, we're both here for the same reason. Like then that's just has to, that's just what has to be done. Um, but for the most part, you know, I get along great with all these bands and all these artists. I haven't experienced any just like outward, like craziness to me, but there's, it's, it's, like a 99% chance that when an, when an artist that I've never worked with before walks into the venue, they ask for the sound guy or they walk to the lighting guy and they're like, Hey man, we're here. We're ready to set up. And he's like, Oh, okay. Well, there's Danny over there. She go talk to her. She's running audio tonight. So that's, that's always, that's a standard for me pretty much anywhere where I'm going to mix. Um, but I mean, I think, I think personally I've, I've obtained enough skills and enough experience on stage and off stage and mixing that within the first few seconds, like 
I think you're going to realize that yeah, I know what I'm doing. You don't have to be scared that this little girl over here is going to mess up your mix. I'm not going to do that. So I know what I'm doing. <laughs> Everyone calm down. Um, yeah. And it's just, yeah, it's just something to be expected. Something you got to deal with. Um, but don't allow any, any disrespect around you. Like you have to be able to, if you're in your work environment, anywhere you are, that's your space. You control the environment and only you can allow or not allow certain things to take place. And I think that's just how you have to go. Like this is a, it's the music industry. We all know that it takes a, a level of toughness. You have to have thick skin either way because people talk crazy either way. We all cuss and like, you know, everybody smokes cigarettes and cusses and spits and drinks a lot of alcohol all the time. Like you've got some drugs take place. So there's going to, there's a lot of variables and a lot of factors that go into this industry. So you have to know how to, how to talk to people. Um, but like I said, when you're on stage and if you're working anywhere in this industry, as far as production, you have to protect your space and don't, don't allow for that. So how do you, like, let's say somebody was new and they were like, okay, I want to develop that sort of, um, language to be able to communicate with people in such a fashion. How would you go about advising them on that? I think you spend time around the places that you want to be. Like you want to be involved in the music business, you go to where the music is. You go to shows, like go hang out at shows, go meet some of the musicians. If they're cool and they want you to stay after, stay after and hang out. Like get to know people. Like that's what you, like you learn the language of music. You learn any language by being immersed in that environment. So you have to, you can't just like come into like straight out, hot out of school or whatever and jump into audio and think that you're going to be, you're going to fly through the industry. I mean, you might, but it helps to be able to to talk to musicians to know that language. But I also like grew up as a musician. So I think I, we have a little bit of a common ground, um, a little bit of a commonality, um, I guess, background wise, but still like you just anywhere you are, any industry that you're going to work in, you want to spend as much time in all of the layers of that industry. Um, like I said, when, before I even got into audio, I spent so much time bartending and just like hanging out in the venue, like having drinks with artists and hanging out. Like you just spend a lot of time. That's when you learn the most stuff. And when you get the most contacts is when you're hanging out with people. It's not from like, oh, you did a good show. And yeah, sometimes they get off stage and they're like, hey, man, you did a really great job. And thank you so much for your work today. Sometimes they ask for your card. Sometimes they don't. So sometimes, so it helps to like, you know, hang out afterwards and like, you know, ask a few questions or you notice somebody's gear, ask them about their gear. Just like, you gotta, you gotta be able to throw yourself out there a little bit and there'll be some kind of crappy people that'll be like, oh, I don't share my knowledge with you for some reason. But there's a lot of people out there that is like, you know, if somebody walks up to me in front of the house, sometimes like if I'm, if I'm not super busy and they're like, Hey, I want, I saw that effect that you had pulled up. Or, Can you tell me about that or whatever? Like you have to be willing to like, you know, put yourself out there a little bit and ask questions. If you want to learn things, you got to find the thing, find the place where the thing happens and ask the questions about the thing. So what I meant by that question actually was like, how do you develop the language to deal with like 
Oh, with the, inappropriate the tough part. or the, like developing yeah. a toughness of skin. Yeah. If you've never had to deal with that before. Yeah. Although that answer was great too. <laughs> <laughs> well, that the second year that your original question is a lot harder. Um, I think if you haven't experienced that, if you've only, if you've never experienced being talked down to, um, I don't know. That's a, that's a weird perspective to come from because I don't know. I, I grew up with, like I said, I was in band and I was in, um, like a very like traditional, like military style band. Like I went to a sc- high school called Robert E. Lee high school and our band was like very military style, like core style marching band. And it was a bunch of like old white men were the whole, were all the band directors and they all talk to you a certain kind of way. Like you just kind of got used to being talked to a little bit crazy, but I'd sort of developed a way to, to go around that, I guess. Um, like I said, I think it's more about you building up tough skin to be able to deal with that because it's going to happen. Um, going forward, you like through all this entire like Black Lives Matter movement and all this stuff, we're trying to get people to change. But either way, once we get on the other side, there's going to be people that are not going to change. There's going to be people that are still going to be jerks. There's going to be people that are still going to talk crazy and look at you crazy and question everything you do. Always. There's always going to be a troll. Always. So I think you just have to, you have to be able to build tough skin so that you don't break down when you experience it. That's the, and that's the hardest part. And the only way you build up that tough skin is by experiencing it, which sucks. But it's being able to like, you have to take something away from it and notice something about what just happened to you. That person probably has a pattern of behaving that way for some reason, but that's not on you to like, to figure out why they're so crazy and why they, why they treated you that way. That's not on you. They're just crazy. Yeah. So you have to do that. They are crazy. I cannot, don't, don't, I understand that it's hard to like let go of things, but you have to be able to like allow it to like affect you a little bit, take something away from it and throw it away and let it go and know that when you go into another situation, that there's always going to be a chance that you're going to experience it again, but you have to be able to like, don't let it break you down. Do you think that people consider you to be abrasive? I don't know if I'm like, abrasive. I got sto- I get stoic a lot. I don't get br- abrasive because I, I never like in your face, like <laughs> you know what I mean. Like I don't I, personally. I don't think I'm abrasive. But if someone has called me abrasive, that's on them. Like I said, <laughs> I mean I can't control how you feel about me. I know what I said. I know how I acted, but that's just how you perceived my actions, which is not on me. Like, but I think that also comes with like, with like most like women of color, like anytime we say anything that's like poignant, it comes off as like, oh, she's so aggressive with it. It's like, no, if you would have said it the exact same way, everyone would have been like, how eloquent, so profound. Yeah. Yeah. And but people will be offended by that and then they'll they'll take that and they'll use that as like a thing against you. 
And I think that's, that's one of those, like, um, I guess, I don't know. I think the, 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 the term that people are using now is, is, uh, microaggressions. Um, I just call it disregarding people's opinions, but, um, I think microaggression is the word that people use. And I find that to be one of those things that it's hard to, do, to know how to respond to those things when you've never encountered those things to go back to what we were talking about before all of my stories, <laughs> um, is dealing with that. How do you deal with that? And I'm like, honestly, like, you're not going to know how to deal with it until somebody tells you stop being racist, you know, or dealing with it in the sense of somebody telling you, you know, oh, I don't see color. So you shouldn't see color either. You know, like until you've had those moments of being face to face with things, I don't know any way to like help people know how to, how to navigate the minefield that is dealing with those types of interactions. I think that also when you're communicating with people and you start to notice like certain, the, the level of conversation that's happening, that's happening or the level of debate that's happening, you start to realize, or if you're any type of like thinker, like, um, you start to notice things throughout the debate of the conversation that will let you know that this person that I'm talking to is not is not capable of thinking past a certain point because they're stuck so stuck at this level of thinking that they've only allowed themselves to think on one level. So it's like, I'm wasting my breath trying to communicate with you, trying to get you to understand what I'm saying. Because if you think that I'm just saying big words to be condescending, it's like, no, when, Usually when people speak and they use a big word, it's because they're trying to express whatever the meaning of that word is for a, for a, for a point. It's, it's part of the sentence for a reason. Like I'm trying, I'm trying to, I'm trying to explain something to you and you cannot, you can't understand what I'm saying because you only have this baseline of thinking and you've only ever thought at that level. So there's, so going forward with this conversation, not to be rude, but I cannot continue this conversation because I'm not thinking at that level. I've already graduated and read books to be able to go to another level of thinking and rationality and decision-making to the point to where I'm able to find these little red flags that you've given me in just this little small piece of conversation we've had to know that I, I can only communicate with you on this level but I'm not willing to stay at this level to continue this conversation. So you go ahead and argue with yourself now. I will take my words to someone else who knows the definition of those words. Oh, goodness. I hope that's not microaggressive for you because I spoke in a very calm tone. Oh, I hate having to do that. The, The calm tone thing. Like, who talks like that? Like, who talks in such a way that sounds like you're naturally just breathy? I I don't know. I call it the breathy tone. Because that's what it sounds like to me. It just sounds like, 
it sounds like what black people do when they have to call like the bank or something. Yeah. It's, and they, it's like it's you like, assimilate your speech patterns to accommodate other people because they will interpret it any emphasis that you have in your speech at all as oh she's so aggressive look at her neck snapping yeah it's like i'm just speaking to you and you're not even listening because you're so worried about everything else that you're you're so ready to respond that you're not even listening to what i'm saying you know that reminds me of this ted talk that i watched um some time back and it was this lady she was talking about how to be an effective communicator. I did a lot of research on how to communicate effectively because I feel like that's one of the biggest breakdowns that a lot of people have. And it's not that you don't know how to say the words properly. It's that all of the um, the other layers to communication has a breakdown. And so I was trying to figure out a way to make people take me more seriously because I felt like I would do, I was trying really hard to um, elevate myself, but in trying to do that, people kept um, knocking me down. And I, and they were, and one of the things that they kept saying to me was, you're being abrasive, you're being this, you're being all these different things. And I was like, why? And in the video, she, the lady was going on about one of the things that happens is that people hold on to thoughts that come into their head. So that way they can respond to you. But when they do that, they stop listening. So the rest of your message is no longer being processed anymore. So there's for you to be an effective listener and an effective communicator, you have to understand that. And so whenever you're listening to people, whatever thought that you have, let it go. Because if it's really important, it's going to come back to you. But if you're more times than not, your thought is going to change if you finish hearing and processing what the other person is saying. And I feel like what you just said speaks to that yeah. in so many ways, because I think that's absolutely true. Yeah. It's like there can be a language barrier and that's very common. Like we all, like obviously the education system in America is varied across the country. So some people can have a, a reading level. Some people have a higher reading level than others. Um, but still, even if you just have like basic street smarts, you're able to interpret things with the way that people emphasize things when they speak. So it's like, just like you're, most people are able to determine if I'm frustrated when I'm speaking or you like, but I think that for some reason, because that they're so whatever your initial first word response or the look that you give when you first open your mouth to respond, they, they grab that and they're just like, mm, shut down this. She don't even, it's like, you're not even, you weren't even ready to accept anything that I was about to say, regardless of what it was. So it's like, everyone just needs to quiet, eat, quiet. Listen, let me finish the whole thing first and then respond. Something happened recently. I don't know if you follow the artist J. Cole, but 
But he put out a hip hop song, the artist J. Cole and then the artist No Name. Do you follow No Name? Yep. Okay. Did you follow uh, I know I know both of those people and I know the exact story you're talking yes. about. Tell it okay. anyway. So J. Cole puts out a song that is essentially if you listen to the entire song, it's just a snapshot of his thought process when he was when he acknowledged something that he had saw, then he made an entire piece of music about the entire thought process of what happened in his mind when he saw something, right? So he puts out this record and the whole song is subliminally directed towards no name from what we think. I don't know if that's proven yet because he hasn't said that. Has he said that it's about her? I think he, I think he did come out and, and say, acknowledge that. Okay. He, I think he acknowledged it, but like not in the way that was like, yes, I'm talking about her. I think it's one of the acknowledgements where they're like passive aggressive with words. Right. Code, code language. So I think with so the social media perspective of the whole thing was they got through the first half of the first verse of the song. And then snatched those lines out and stopped listening to the rest of the song and threw it back all on social media and was like, he doesn't like no name. He doesn't need to be silencing black women. Black women need to speak. You can't be telling black women to be quiet. And those are all valid points. All those points I agree with. I was, I, I am with you, girl. Yes. We do not need to, black men as a whole need to not, need, don't need to be looking at black women when they're the ones that standing up to like speak poignantly for our causes for anything that matters when they're able to articulate things in a certain way you can't be like oh i don't read enough to know what you're saying because i can't i didn't i didn't finish college or whatever i did i didn't read enough books to be on that same level of thinking so everyone took those lines and freaked out about it but if you listen to the entire song, even at the end, he says that he's that he's realized that those viewpoints, that, that the entire thought process, that he came to the realization at the end that it is important for her to be in that space. It is important for her to stand up and say those things the way that she does say them. But I think it's just it's such a representation of how everyone is so doesn't. They can't sit through the whole clip of things. Why it's such like a headline society now where people only grab the headlines and then repost it without reading the article. Sometimes the article ain't even there. Sometimes y'all reposting articles and there ain't even nothing in the link. <laughs> it's like, y'all are not like, it's just like, you have to finish out the whole thing and then like sit with it, analyze all of it, then form an opinion from it to respond because you can't you're just taking out stuff that you don't like from the whole thing instead of seeing it as an entire piece of something so you get you lose your and you're talking you and then people are mad because things get lost in translation it was like but it was there for you to listen to they it's, it's all transcribed for you like you can go to the lyric sheet and read the lyrics it's there but I think my name is super dope by the way <laughs> I think both of them are dope. I like J. Cole and I like Nene. I do too. I love them. Um, I wonder, do you... Mm, okay, this is going to be one of those moments. This can either go one of two ways. <sighs> okay. Do you feel like the same misconception happened with Candace Owens 
when she talked about George Floyd and why she didn't feel like people should be putting him on a pedestal when he had been uh, basically a criminal his entire life. But her, because what I got out of what she said was that she was saying that he shouldn't have died the way that he did, but maybe you shouldn't put him on a pedestal on the hill that, that you're like trying to go and like yeah. die on. Like it shouldn't be the thing that you die for. Like he shouldn't be the martyr of this whole movement is what she was saying. Yeah. Yeah. So I find this is a very interesting topic also because I was very like, I don't like her. She needs to go away <laughs> at the beginning. Like I was just like, as soon as she came in, like the way she was introduced, this whole rollout of Candace Owens, I was not for it. I was not about that life. Um, but I started, but this is where we're going to have, I don't know if you and I will agree on this or not, but this all ties into everything we've talked about today. She is very abrasive. She is abrasive. Like physically, yes. like you are, we mm-hmm. can all agree that she is abrasive, but she's not. Absolutely. <laughs> and even I, like first witnessing her speak, I was like, Mm-mm, I don't like that. I don't like the way that she speaks. And she's just, she's too statistically like versed. Like she only speaks in stats, which we all know that can be muddied up with. It's like, there's, there's a part of humanity that requires nuance and you can't only speak in stats because that leaves out the part that makes us all human is the small, pretty stuff and the small, nasty stuff. You need both of those. You need both sides. You need the stats and the nuance. So I did not, I was not feeling her at all. But then I started to sit down and watch some of the discussions she was having. I don't know if you saw that video she did with Marcus Lamont, Mark Lamont Hill. Mm, yes. That was a good one. And then she did another one with another guy. Um, I don't remember where he was from or, from or what his name was, but I, I didn't, I didn't finish the whole thing either, but they were both really good discussions, both black men. Um, they're both on different party lines. She's an avid, like Republican Trump supporter and they're, um, uh, progressives, I guess. Um, I don't know. Don't quote me on their political affiliations. I don't know. Um, but anyways, when you start to hear, when you start to break down what she's saying, she's not wrong. Like she's talking about things that are in the black communities that are obviously wrong that we've never dealt with um in those pockets of america but those pockets of america are not all of america not all black people shoot each other not everyone is in a gang so that's the one thing that i don't like about her is that she always speaks in just stats and those stats are always focused on like chicago parts of atlanta parts of new york um and sometimes she even contradicts herself with certain um of her certain stories from her own background and how she was raised and how she's brought up um, to where she is now. So it's just, there's parts of her that she speaks to that are very true, but she is very abrasive, but she's not always wrong. But I think that that communication barrier and with this level of like new fame that she's got, this level of like celebrity. And I don't know if that's because, She's gotten like this new, you know, whatever happens to like people when they get a lot of money and they kind of go like fame crazy. 
big old bougie. Yeah, where she's, I don't know if it's like that whole thing where she's like aligned herself with these people that are going to take her to the top. That's made her behave so brashly towards other black people. But that's always the biggest problem I have is the way that she interacts or the way that she only speaks in statistics that degrade the black community. But it's not, people need to stop saying that, oh, we need to look at Chicago. We need to look at Chicago. All the black people don't live in Chicago. I, that is something that definitely needs to be taken care of. And I don't know why that that is the way that it is. I've never been to Chicago. I don't know anything about Chicago other than what we see on the news and what we're told. But that is its own thing. That is not, that is a small, that is one city in all of America where all these other black people live and succeed and graduate and go to college and all this stuff. And it's just, can't speak so broadly and so in like focused statistics and these little, Oh, a study was done here and a study was done there and a study was done here. And it's like, but those are the studies are all, they, they don't, they're not broadly based on the entire country. That's only focused on that small little community where there's certain factors that are going to manipulate those studies. It's like that. It isn't, everyone doesn't live in that same situation. We don't all grow up with that same experience and perspective. So her, she, I'm a very, I'm on the fence still. I want it like, she has good points. She really does. And there's things that I'm like, yes, you're right about this. And there were certain par- parts of the whole George Floyd thing that I was like, we're doing a little bit much now. All these funerals and all this stuff. And it's cool that his daughter got like Disney stock and all that stuff. But he does have a criminal record. And that is a thing. But I also know that that he wasn't chosen as the martyr because of his criminal background or because of the way he died. He was just chosen as the martyr because of what we dealt with up until this point in time. And that event was the straw that broke the camel's back. That was the last, that was the heaviest, that was the heavy, the, the last feather on this giant pile that was ready to collapse no matter what, because the bridge under it was already cracking. So they just needed to put that one little cherry on top and it, poof, the floods open, floodgates opened up. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I, I just, I watched the way people on the internet really, uh, crucified her. I think that's the word I want to use. Um, yeah, but I do agree with you that she is actually an abrasive person. Yeah, like physically, but, we can uh, all agree that we witness that all the time because she's all like, yeah, 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 numbers, numbers, numbers. Look at my list. Look at this study. And it's just like, we don't have to speak to each other like that. We can just literally have a conversation. That's why I liked to see those conversation videos where she has her own, she has a platform where she brings on people to have a like a podcast discussion. Um, and there's a very, like very level-headed um, very thought out, thoughtful discussion between two people of opposing viewpoints, which I really liked. I thought that, that was really cool. And it wasn't like, oh, she's a stanky bee. <laughs> it's just a little bit, a little bit abrasive. Like you don't, but the, even in one of those conversations, they talked about how she needed to learn to communicate to black people better because she's she's always but i think she spent so much time speaking over and yelling over people that were like no we don't like you she spent so much time screaming over into a mic over a crowd 
that was against her. So I don't know. That's it's probably like some sort of like defense mechanism that she also has developed. But also, I will say that it is important that even in like the most ancient times, that when someone was killed, there was a time period after that death where even a war would stop. They would even stop the war for a few days to let that person be buried, to let that person's family take them to be buried. Nothing would happen. You guys had this time point to mourn and, you know, do your thing. And then we're going back to fighting. So I think that that the timing of that video that she put out and the way she started it, like just completely degrading someone that had just been murdered for everyone to see. Like I, I didn't watch the entire video, but because that is true traumatic. But still the timing of it is like, there should be a level of respect for humanity that we allow at least this person's mom to have a few days of people not talking about all the bad stuff that he did throughout his life. Even if he was trying to get it back together for that last month or so, like there still should be a respect for humanity. It's not like he was out murdering people and then he got murdered. I could understand if we're all talking about someone's criminal history when they just blew up the towers down to um, the Twin Towers or something. When it's a level of terrorism. But when you're just talking about a person who was literally murdered by a police officer, like brutally, on a street. um, Like there should be a level of compassion that everyone should have to just at least give them a few days to not have to hear all of that, all of their stats of how, of all the mistakes that they've made in their lives. Yeah. I think the same could even be sailored for um, when Kobe passed, you know, like there was just so much. And then all of a sudden it was the court case in Colorado. And you were like, but that happened years ago. Like, if you followed Kobe, you knew that story already. So for all of those people who were like, let's rehash this, it's like, he just died. Can we pause? And also, did you not know that before? Like, Yeah. That wasn't, he, like, he a secret. sat down and he, he did an interview for that. He sat down exactly. and did an interview back then. It's like, so why are you still questioning people? A few days after he was to die, like friends of his, like, oh, so do you think he raped that girl or what? It was like, everyone's like, oh, well, Gail has, a, she's a journalist by trade. That's her job is to ask the tough questions. It's like, that's not a tough question to ask, to ask someone at that time. Like, you're just, there's no, there's literally no point for you to ask why someone was did a did a crime 10 years before was uh, acquitted for it and then 10 years later accomplished all this stuff in between that time all this stuff like made all these strides to be a better person did all this stuff to like educate kids and like to teach people and like donate all this money and like win an oscar not not that that's like not that that makes them a good person to win an Oscar, but still like to do all of these things and accomplish so much and to like be the, be a better man and to raise a bunch of daughters and coaches, daughters, basketball team. And now you want to talk about him 
possibly raping someone 10 years ago when he just died in a plane with his like 10 year old kid yeah and my thing was is that like i with with that one in particular i felt like it was out of place because it had already been addressed publicly he did a full interview about it like if you know anything about Kobe, there was a whole thing for a while, ten years ago, that was about it. So to me, I just I didn't understand why ten years later when he died, it was like a thing. Also, she said that it naturally came up in the full interview and that people no, I watched, you know, whatever. And I was Did just you watch like, the full interview? I watched the full interview that they put out, but according to her, that's the edited version and that there's a full interview that they didn't put out. That's that where that question naturally had come from. And so I was like, well, maybe so, but it seems, seems kind of weird. Um, yeah, just media. Yeah, <laughs> this is unnecessary. <laughs> um, what... I, th- I feel like what we've been talking about is, is has to do with a lot of like different things about people presenting misconceptions. So, but, uh, I'm not good at segues. <laughs> I'm just <laughs> well, not. I'm, I'm so, so bad at what you were trying to do there. I was trying to make it, and I was like, you know what? We're just going to ditch it and just tell you, hey, I got a different question now. Uh, we're going to leave that question behind, uh, that course of topic. Uh, what do you think one of the um, biggest misconceptions about being an audio engineer, a live sound engineer in particular, um, One of the, what do you think one of the biggest misconceptions is about being a live sound engineer? Um, that I'm the DJ that... Um, I will take your requests if you ask to play a song. That is not a thing that I do. Um, I don't, anytime you explain like what an audio engineer is to someone who has no idea how going to a concert works, like what all the stuff that's involved in having a concert, they're like, "Oh yeah, so you like a you like the DJ or you like a like the producer kind of person?" Like they don't really understand. I don't think anybody, I don't think if you've only gone to concerts and never thought about anything else that happens to make that concert happen before you get there, I don't think they're like looking around for like the sound guy. I think only audio people do that and lighting production people do that. It's like, where's the sound? I like this show is cool, but where is the sound guy? I do that all the time. I do too. All the time. (laughs) Where is front of house? Yeah. Oh, they got a monitor monitoring engineers tonight. That's cool. Like all kind. Yeah. Do you ever be like wondering, like asking people what kind of boards they be using? I'd be like, what kind of board are they? All the time. Yeah. I'm always the one leaning over somebody's barricade, leaning over their barricade, trying to see what's going on. I want to know. But yeah, those are like people don't. People just don't know. Maybe we're just talking about like regular civilians Mm -hmm. in life. But what about people who are striving to be? Audio oh, and you explain- what do you think one of their one of their biggest misconceptions that they have about trying to be a sound engineer? Um, I think, well, mine. I thought it was going to be a lot of a lot easier, like plug and play, like go. I'm a just mix kind of thing. Um, my biggest misconception was all the, I probably the labor that was like behind it. Like you spend a lot of time 
like building and patching a stage um, before you turn your console on. Um, and then there's a lot of technical time that you have to spend building a show file, like just on your console. Like it's not plug and play. You don't just like, oh, here's a mic. I'm gonna go turn it up over there. There's a lot that goes into that. Um, so all of that was completely foreign to me when I first got into, when I first started interning with Dylan, like I didn't know how to build the stage at all. I didn't know. I had never even touched a console before, um, other than the tiny little console that I'd bought at home um, to mix on. So I think all, everything was the biggest misconception. <laughs> like, <laughs> how to like, where do I stand? Like, if I'm not running in front of house and I'm backstage and I'm just like the A2 person today or I'm not mixing monitors, like, what do I do? Where do I, how do I... <laughs> <laughs> or if you're just like, oh, I need to patch some stuff on stage, but, or something came off, like so, like a, a cable came loose during during a set. Someone's got to jump up on stage and plug it back in. It's like, who who does that? Do do I do that? Like right now? And they're like, yeah, go plug it in. So there's a, there's a lot of little things that you miss out that, that you don't realize are like, yeah, you're going to have to like talk to a lot of like famous people sometimes, like personally. <laughs> Ask them like, hi, where would you like your monitors today? Like, like you have to like interact with people that have like sold a lot of records sometimes. So that's a, that was another misconception. Like you just, there's so much of so many things in throughout the entire show day that you will, like, if you're first coming into it, you're like, oh my God, I can't believe I get to do this <clears throat> or I have to go do that. <laughs> Yeah, I think my bis- biggest misconception <clears throat> was that you were going to set the levels and then walk away. Like, you're just done. Like, you're just like, oh, like, I knew it was going to be labor intensive. I knew that there was going to be a lot of that stuff. I, minus the whole cable coming loose in the middle of a show, I never thought about that one. But uh, <laughs> I remember being like, Oh, I got to keep touching the stuff. Oh, okay. I just thought like in my mind, because y- y- from movies, cause they're so accurate. <laughs> Half the time, nothing's plugged nothing, in. Yeah. Like, fun fact. Nothing's pad. Yeah. Not even nothing on. There. <laughs> they're like, we're doing a show <laughs> with what? <laughs> With what? But from movies and TV shows and from just like my introduction was from people who didn't know a whole lot about audio. And so it was like they're the person on stage. So they literally were just turning on levels and walking away because they had to be on a stage. So when that was my experience, I was like, oh. Okay, that's what it's like all the time. And then I learned about mixing for musical theaters. <laughs> and they do line mixing. And I was like, oh, sweet Jesus. Okay. Do you know what line mixing is? Mm, I mean, where you just go through each line really quickly and then you got to, that's the mix? No. It's not like a line so, check. No, 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 no. It's not a line check. Line mixing is when whoever's talking in a theater situation, musical theater, whatever, it's line by line. You're moving each of their. Oh, I always wondered that was so like, 
I was just watching Hamilton the other day. That's the first time I'd seen. I'd, I've never been too big into musicals, but I was watching it and I noticed everyone's mic'd up. So how, mm-hmm. how are y'all mm-hmm. not getting, is someone like someone's muting all these channels in between you're following the show program the whole way through the you, entire show and you're, you're yep. just pulling faders up and down on the ad. The, yep. As the production yep. happening. Yeah. So when they're like really close together, that's intense. Um, but they're both talking. You have to have like a certain level of distance between each of their microphones. So you're literally, as they're talking, you were, you were like a half second before them. You're a half second, but not too much so that you pick up the other person's mic too quickly because then you have a whole confuffle of stuff. And so, um, when they do, um, dance numbers and stuff, and there's a large number of people, everything is done by scenes you run through scenes like you have basically a scene for every page now that's not how everybody does it but that's one of the ways that i've seen people do it is that you basically have a scene for everything and so when and they're preset to the faders of where they're supposed to be next scene next scene next scene next scene and you just go down the list for the singing numbers now when they're talking and they're really close together then it's a little bit more um, individual up and down, yeah. just constant. You were always touching. Wow. There is never a moment where you're not touching yeah. during the performance. That's, and it is fascinating. Yeah. That's intense. That's, that's yeah. a lot to follow. Yeah. Um, so that's one of those, those misconceptions for me. Cause I, cause I always wanted like back when I was a kid, I was like, I want to mix for musical theater. Cause I love theater as I've, I've always been, I'm the theater kid who has no talent to actually be in theater. Like, like, like don't ask me to act for nothing. Don't ask me to, to sing and dance. I mean, I got enough skill to get by in regular life to be like, I'm not that one black person who can't sing or dance. I, I don't get that title. That's cool. My mom gets that title. She can't dance. Oh yeah, my mom can't sing or dance. I love her, and she knows she oh, can't no. sing or dance. That's really funny, though. She, she don't got the skill. It's like you a unicorn. I have that I can get you skill. a unicorn. She's a unicorn. Yeah. She is. That's and funny. so, uh, so I always knew that I wanted to do something with musical theater. Um, and so I was like, I need to learn how to be a sound engineer because that's the only way I'm gonna get to musical theater on Broadway. Because your girl ain't dancing her way to Broadway. <laughs> And so I started uh super competitive too. You have to know how to like, sing and dance very well. Yes. And exactly. you have to know Frank all three in all things. three things, yeah. All those people take like classes and stuff, like all the time. Hip hop constantly jazz, training. Dad, all that stuff. Constantly training. Yeah. I'm like, look, I ain't that good. Yeah. Just watching um like I said, I was watching Hamilton like that. You can just tell the level of endurance everyone has from like coming on and off stage all the time, doing these musical numbers, singing like in full voice the whole time while you're dancing, doing pirouettes and stuff. It's like <laughs> these people real talented. I was like, dang. I, was I think not, that's one of the reasons why. I never yeah. a lot of the. I never saw a lot of theater growing up. I just did not like. We have a theater in Midland, but I never went to it. I thought it was goofy. Yeah. But it's cool. Um, I don't know if I would say I grew up with theater. I just, I found a bunch of people who were goofy and they happened to be in theater. 
because I was an athlete my entire childhood. Like that's what I did. I was into sports. I played the sports. I did all the stuff. And then I slowly got introduced to people who were goofy and goofy people ended up in theater. And so I sequenced, uh, as like a result ended up in theater. Um, but yeah, it's, it's crazy. Um, the amount of work and effort and I love it, but yeah, it's, that's not to say that I don't like, like missing, mixing in clubs and stuff like that. It's just a different muscle, you know, everything's just a little different anyways. Um, so I guess my last question, minus the fact that I just dropped my pen. Okay. Last question for you is, um, so for, do you have, what kind of advice would you give for someone trying to break into live sound? Um, and then sequentially trying to grow past, like, let's say you got in and you're at like, the hole in the wall clubs and you want to, you know, upgrade, how do you, um, what kind of advice would you give to people trying to do that? So I think it's really important to get a lot of desk time. You need to be able to spend wherever you can. You need to be able to spend time on, on a console and learn a lot of the new consoles that are going to take over for that, that entire like a uh, era of like SC48s and, um, like early Yamaha stuff, early Midas stuff, um, and start getting into a lot of the new Yamaha stuff, like CL and QL stuff. Um, uh, Digico has a bunch of new stuff out. Avid has a new console that looks really cool. Um, so learning the navigation, routing, and all of that stuff of all those consoles first will take you so far. Being able to be able to just jump on a console anywhere and everywhere at any point in time is huge. That's a really big skill set to have, um, but it's hard to get access to them. So if you can find um, companies that have like warehouses full of consoles right now, get into contact with those guys and see if they'll allow you to come and play around for a little bit or find some other engineers that there's a bunch of dudes that have rented some stuff and taken it home for rental right now. Rock and roll rentals. You can rent stuff. You can go start an account and rent rent stuff just play with it at home and take it back. Um, so like Nomad right now is letting um, local sound engineers come in. And if you want to spend some desk time, you can like bring a laptop and plug it in and play tracks if you have tracks. Or maybe one of the guys that works there has tracks and he'll let you like blow through a show and like build like a show. Um, so try to read, try to learn as much about all the new consoles as you can. If you have trouble accessing those consoles, reach out to the people that you know have access to those consoles. Most of the time, they're pretty cool guys, and they'll be like, hey, I can, I can show you some stuff. Or you can just start looking up videos on YouTube and start looking at all those, like, spec videos. All Each one of those um, each one of those companies has YouTube channels where they go through and do entire breakdowns of the consoles. So you can go and find all that stuff for free without even leaving your house. But it is important to get desk time, like physical desk time, so you can put your hands on it and push buttons and move knobs and faders and route stuff to, so that um, you know how it works when you actually get booked. Um, secondly, I think that when you are coming, like if you're coming out of school or if you just have the idea that, hey, this looks like a cool industry to jump into, it's something I'd want to really try out. Um, ask around town or make friends online with someone who's already doing it. 
Like a lot of us are really willing to have some sort of like correspondence with you if you want to chat about stuff or talk about getting into it. Um, like I said, I started off with an intern program. I didn't go to audio school. A lot of people spend a lot of money on going to audio school and that's awesome. They get a degree and they're like certified and you can like put that on your resume, which is dope. Um, I didn't go that route. I, I went the back door, back door way. I, I learned from someone, I did like a hands-on sort of situation and I spent a lot of time with a lot of different um, venues and clients and bands to be able to build my resume that way um, by just, you know, showing up on time and doing a good job and being, um, being full of energy, like ready to go, you know, like you have to be like hungry to, to get this job because it's competitive and it's a, and it's a dude sport. Like it is, it still is. And there's a lot of girls coming up, but if you're a girl coming up in this industry, just know that, you got to be able to run a little bit faster than these guys and you got to be able to do your homework and, um, be able to show up to work, um, ready to work. And that'll take you as far. This is not this industry I've found, um, on the production side of it with like the production companies that I work with that I've personally worked with. I haven't experienced like very much of misogyny. Um, everyone is, you know, willing to spread as much knowledge as they can. And if you're, if you're seeking knowledge and you're diligent about it and you're hungry for it, they'll provide it for you. They they don't have no problem like helping you out or answering questions or being like a, a brother to you in that kind of regard. There's a lot of people out here that just want to teach people. There's a lot of dudes in town that are getting really old and want someone to take their spots. <laughs> so take advantage of that. Like meet the older the older club guys and see where they're at. Like, see if they need help. Sometimes they do want help. And sometimes you might have to have to help out for like a week or so for free before you, they'll, you know, slide you something, but getting that experience, like you want to like put yourself out there to, to be able to, to receive that. So you have to ask, you have to be able to like go and look for it for yourself. So nobody's going to be like, Oh, here's an audio console here. I'm going to show you all the things you have to go find those people. And those people are all hidden because we all hide in dark corners of the earth <laughs> until someone says live show. And then we all come out running like, ah, ah, I want to make some show. I want to show. <laughs> it's like, we're there. We're all here. Uh, we might be hidden off the beaten path, but everyone here is like, wants to know what's the coolest thing that's coming out. What are the coolest tricks that people are using on tour? So figure all that stuff out first, then build your resume, get a nice resume and keep record of all the cool shit that you do. Make an Instagram page with all the cool shit that you do. I know sometimes people are like, Oh, no photography, sneak some photos for your personal collection. Like you want to have proof of that stuff that you're, that you're involved with. Cause that's, the new digital world that we live in, resumes are eventually just going to be, oh, check my splash page or check my website. I have a, you know, one page, um, a one page link that you can go access and it'll show you all the stuff that I've done in my career. Like start collecting all of that stuff. Um, you want to be able to prove that you were somewhere when something cool happened and you're like, oh, well, you know, I, got to, I plugged in that mic that that guy's singing on right now. I taped that. I gaff taped the hell out of that stage. Look how clean it is. Like take photos of that stuff and show people that you're like active and that you wanted to be in this environment and they'll hire you because nobody wants to work with a bunch of lazy people 
like we're all looking for for more hands for more interns for more people to like join the ranks with us cool people people that want to work and people that are cool to hang out with guy and girl so just be like hungry for it and you have to like seek that stuff that you want to learn you want to learn it like youtube has all the stuff youtube it you can do all the tutorials on all like avid yamaha you can do all those tutorials online there's it's it's very accessible and you don't have to go to school for it and i'm not knocking school school is cool school is cool if you want to go to school but i didn't i didn't like school i don't like school so i didn't and i just went the other way but there's you can go anyway you don't have to you don't have to there's no like set lane that you have to go through like i can reach out you can reach out to people on instagram also people that have like recording engineer that work like look up all of the if you want to be a studio guy look up all the studios in town then find out who works in those studios. Then go to Instagram and type in those names of those people that work at those studios. Then message those people and be like, hey, you need some help in your studio? I can wrap your cables. If you show me some stuff, like, like reach out to people. They'll, they will reach back. And ain't nobody doing nothing right now anyway, so you got plenty of time. <laughs> That's very true. Ain't nobody doing nothing right now. Nothing going on. People respond a lot quicker during quarantine, so... They do. Because I remember trying to reach out to people for my podcast before. Oh, what happened to you? I'm sorry. You're all. Sorry. No, you're all. You went all grainy for a oh, second. Yeah. Sorry. I, I knocked yeah. the table, but I'm back. Ooh. Uh, no. Uh, I just remember, like, um, for uh, before the quarantine, trying to, like, get people to email me back was just, like, not happening. And I was like, do you want to be on my podcast? There's there's nobody on it right now. <laughs> like, and we would be like, um, who are you? <laughs> but now that, like, first off, I started, that was, like, half the battle, right? Like, a lot of people were like, well, how do you get started? To me, I would say just start doing something. Like, just start. Um, if that's emailing, if that's randomly showing up, if that's, you know, just trying to get a hold of people, just show up and just start. And so after that happened, then more stuff started to progress and started to become more of a, of a whole like podcast, like a real platform now. Yeah. People know. God, that's scary. <laughs> that's weird to me by the way I'm still not used to that I know that it's like happening and I know that yeah. that's like a thing but it's just weird because I'm like but I'm a podcaster but I'm a live sound engineer who wants to work on Broadway one day like <laughs> like there's so many like just yeah it's just weird but I think that that's it, this is a good time to like explore all of that stuff anything that you've always wanted to try like start start getting into it some kind of way, any kind of way, even if it's just on YouTube or just like surfing websites and looking up stuff and making friends, like just start friend requesting people that are already in the thing, <laughs> like randomly. It's like, who is this? I've, I've accepted so many friend requests recently. People are just reaching, people just reach out and I'm just like, oh, okay, let's be friends. And do they talk to you? Sometimes. Like there's a few. Um, so, also, Sound Girls, um, I'm affiliated with Sound Girls. On there, a bunch of, 
I guess there's like a sound girls, um, Facebook group, a bunch of the other sound girl, sound girls on there started requesting friend requesting me on Facebook. And they're all from like Australia. There's some from like England, like they're from all over. So it's like, there's definitely networks of this entire industry that are already online and already talking and having like group forums, like discussing things and like trading tips and stuff. So it's just like, you just got to start Googling stuff and use all those resources and it's all there. You can find it all. All right. Well, this went significantly longer than I had originally planned. Uh, yeah. We talked about some stuff. Like, we talked about a bunch like, of we talked, we talked good, though. We talked good. We talked well. I can speak English. It's fine. <laughs> Anyways, um, thank you so much for being on my podcast. And thank you for having the time to do this. And uh, I'll let you go to go do stuff with the rest of your day. Okay. I will. I'll talk to you later. <laughs> Bye.